Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 18th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHeads.com. Um, we're back. We've uh, been over a week. We've had uh, interesting schedules. We've both, we've both been on vacation. Uh, you on your extended United Kingdom vacation. Me uh, back to... Baltimore and Washington, uh, a vacation that I used to take with, with my parents. I, I've now decided to uh, do that with my children. So uh, back back to Baltimore, back to Camden Yards, that kind of thing. So uh, it was good. My readers, you, you'll notice that there, have, there hasn't been a blog in four days, and that's actually been the longest hiatus since I took, took the gig, so... Sorry. You've actually you've managed to do that a couple of times, go away and still write in between. So obviously you deserve the break. <laughs> yeah, and, and truthfully I, I checked the hell out. I, I wasn't even really on Twitter or following anything and it's the right month for it because I don't think much has happened, but there there were a few things. Um Penguins wise, nothing happened except for convoluted hyperball. Uh, garbage which, so, which we'll talk about <laughs> but, but you've um you've done the right thing there of taking the time off when you did how was what have you been up to uh just i say just bit of watched a lot of cricket uh watched my little brother play a lot of cricket he's, he's done quite well uh went through to london went and caught up with a friend of mine um just outside of london i have thoroughly enjoyed the public transport system in london that thing is awesome. The London Underground gets you absolutely anywhere you want to go. Um, and then checked out of there, came back and watched my little brother play a bit more cricket. We're off to the golf uh, Thursday, Friday to go watch the British Open. So we're all excited about that. And then we've got to get him back to uh, back home so we can play some more cricket. And then me and my stepdad fly back out to Australia. So it's been it's been a great trip. It's just been nice and relaxing. I've even had time to... Uh, complete a course and get a certification so it's like yes this has been a productive trip so you're doing work on vacation while i was not yeah, but you didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> i would also argue you don't have three children seven and under correct so when i go on holiday it is literally just me so it's great so the last time i went to camp the orioles are my favorite baseball team even though i'm more of a casual very casual observer these days of all baseball related things. Uh, I think the last time I went there, I, it was when I was driving my wife down to college. To, uh, she went to school in Charleston. And um, that was like 11 years ago. So I haven't been to Camden Yards in a while. I still haven't seen the Orioles score a run in over a decade. They got their asses kicked <laughs> eight nothing. And you know what? Back to that children seven and under thing. I didn't even see any of the eight runs Chicago scored. Say what? Yeah. For those that are familiar with Camden Yards, you know the warehouse, and, and it's kind of like their main street in the stadium. I intentionally got right field bleacher seats so we could go out at any point in time and get food or shade or whatever. Um, I spent most of my time out that way. Not actually watching the game. You need your kids to hurry up and grow up. <laughs> nah, I don't want that either. But yeah, it was, it's not ideal for taking in a baseball game. So, but no, it was fun. No, Beautiful stadium. Um, they did got to do the Washington Zoo, which was cool. I, I've, oh, I've cool. never seen panda bears before. It was nice to uh, check that out. And Price was right. I didn't know it was free. Jeez, I tell you what, that's not bad. No, but the food and uh, gift stores were not. <laughs> so uh, that. That's where they get you. Oh, oh yeah, they, they they cleaned up that day. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's where I was. Uh, that's where you were. Uh, let's jump into the hockey stuff. Uh, we have some, I guess in the last week, some Phil Kessel stuff. Uh, certain members of the media talking about Phil being trade bait because an assistant coach is leaving and I don't I don't find that is a valid reason at all to, to bring up a Phil Kessel trade rumor 
but there is room for nuance in this discussion, and it's not easy to do on Twitter. And luckily, we have a platform of this podcast where we can get into some of that. Uh, so trading Phil, I think we both agree this year is not the year for that, but I think it's coming sooner than people think. The, the hardest thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the hardest thing with any player, I suppose, is you want to trade them before they fall off the agent curl cliff. Right, so you've got you <clears throat> as a general manager, you're trying to go right. We've got him here. He's had value this year. Will he have the same output next year, or will he fall off the cliff? Can we abandon this asset before we end up with a, an asset that's not producing because their their aging curve has destroyed their output? And <clears throat> Phil Kessel does seem like a Danny Hatley kind of candidate, where it all just goes pear shaped real quick. Um, You've written a couple of good pieces in regards to Kessel's output is still quality this year. Um, if the Penguins go deep in a playoff run next year, I think you're right. Maybe next year in the, at the draft would be a good time to, to think about moving on from him and recouping with some, some different assets. And I'm not even certain next year will be the time either. I, I have a feeling he may plateau a little bit here. His last year in Toronto was bad, but you could look at quality of teammate and just Toronto you know they were, they were one year removed from tanking to get Austin Matthews pretty much that's true and yeah, that's true. when he gets to Pittsburgh his numbers jump back up well of course they did it, the quality of teammate the the okay so there's a quality of competition which you know the analytics community um which I'm I guess a part of kind of <laughs> we we haven't figured that part out exactly. Some think that everybody that time on ice is the quality of competition. That if you're on the ice a lot, you play against everybody, and and there's logic in that. But uh, but the quality of competition stat itself, I kind of view as a face-off stat. I don't find much value in it. That doesn't mean I don't think they're important. We just haven't um, quantitatively figured out the right way to go about it. And in Phil's first year, he played on a third line with HBK, and they were awesome. And I think they got easier matchups. And they kicked ass, clearly, in that 2015-16 season. They're a huge reason why they, they won it all. True. This year, Phil got bumped to, to Malkin's line, and he got, he faced a, a stiffer quality of competition, but his quality of teammate. No offense to Nick Benino, but... Malkin slightly is, better? Slightly, slightly better than, than him. <laughs> but Phil's stats both years are very similar. Better than his last year in Toronto. However, still not better than his his prime 24 to 26 years in Toronto. You shouldn't expect that, though. I no, I, and I agree with that. Realistically, that, that drop-off should happen. Because while all players eventually go through this... I don't put Phil in that Sid Gino level of play where Sid and Gino are going to stay above average for way longer. Uh, Phil still is above average. I would just want to say that. The question is, when do when it, does that drop-off occur that you alluded to? And for Phil, I, I think you need to look at individual Corsi 4 stuff like is he finding his shots? And, and that number has declined throughout the years. Um, is it speed related? Is it, there are a number of things that could be the so, reason for, but Phil so being maybe, a shooter, you need to really focus on volume well, of, of shots. I think that's the problem though. I, I think his last two years in Pittsburgh, he's been less of a shooter and more of a distributor. That's, that's visually how it's looked in regards to the way he's played. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it really feels like he's, He's done a lot of that uh, aggressively into the zone, pulls up, waits for the trailer, or uses that backdoor pass so it looks like he's going to shoot and, and throws one to the back door. Now, they may That's need fine to too. have... Yeah, no, I know. But if you do have to sit there and go, is that affecting his shot volume that much that he's now not just throwing shots on net because it's the only option he has? He has other options. So... It's one of those things where you can. You're right. His coursey numbers, his, his raw coursey numbers have definitely gone down, but 
is it like what's his points per sixty? Has that dropped off significantly with the Corsi four dropping as well? Like if his points per sixty is still hovering around what it was, I'd say the balance is reasonably okay. Well, I have a hero chart in front of me. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> on the new hero charts, uh, with um, what we have is a nice graph at the bottom that has both primary points per hour and also the possession one. And both of them, since the he groups them into three seasons, so 2012 to 14, which was his apex on both possession and offense, since then it looks like a fun ski hill. <laughs> now, his primary points per 60 is still above average. So he's coming from almost a 10 out of 10 to where he's around a 7-ish right now. So that's not bad, but it is a trend worth tracking because as the years go yep. on, if he loses his offense, let's be real with it, possession at its apex was around a 5, 5.5 out of 10. That's at what appears to be a four right now it's dropping yeah, you're in trouble so yeah, you're in trouble big time the offense is still enough to make up for the possession part of his game and that's why no it, the straw man always is, well you you know, can't just use possession to evaluate a player and it's like well no shit nobody worth their salt does that um his <laughs> offense more than makes up for these possession woes can it plateau i think it can and that's why I have no interest at all in, in even kind of entertaining any of these trade thoughts, especially because an assistant coach left. I mean, get the fuck out of here with that. That's just stupid talk. All right, so just we'll put a pause on the, the actual analysis of all this. Is it just the fact that it's the slowest time of the year for hockey and somebody just decided to stir some shit up? Like, I don't... I don't get where this comes from. It just it drives me yes. nuts when you see these things come out. Yes, but also I think there's stupidity where they actually believe that Rick Tockett was the Kessel Whisperer, much like he was the Downey Whisperer. Remember when Downey was going to no. behave for Pittsburgh? Yeah. Did he? No. Okay. So do we think quality a teammate bumped Kessel's numbers up from Toronto to Pittsburgh, or do we think Rick Tockett had, had the Midas touch here? Now, I do want to stop myself and say, I'm open to the idea that Rick Tockett had a positive impact on Phil Kessel, that they had a great working relationship and that he was good for him. I'm not willing to say that was the driving factor for Phil to be a good player. Phil is who he is. He's been the same player his entire career, and any regression, in my opinion, my hypothesis, is going to be age regression and when I look at these hero charts that show where he is 24 to 26 and now approaching 30, I have evidence to support this age regression theory. Yep. No, I, I, I'm not going to argue the age regression thing. Um, I, now that I can, now that I've seen the, the graphs and the studies on that sort of stuff, um, you know, you can kind of look for it in particular players when they hit a certain age. I mean, Joe Thornton took forever to hit his curve and hit the cliff. Because he's a, an out-and-out -out superstar. And they generally survive longer in the league because of that. Jeremy Jaeger is a prime example of those things. He's, um, he might be the... Uh, what, the breaking that? of the curve, yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are those sorts of examples. And there are other ones where players just vanish off the, the face of the map. And Danny Heatley's the one I used, used earlier as an example. So you, you, it, it's tough as a general manager, I mean... You can almost bank on Sid and Gino lasting for quite a long time, but you, you you still have to get there for the rest of everybody on that roster, work out when their aging curve is going to hit a wall, and get rid of them, and get something back that can be productive for you. Um, back to your earlier point about the passing and why this conversation deserves the nuance it does. His individual Corsi 4, which means basically his individual shot attempts, like he's the one creating the Corsi off of yeah. the stick those are way down and maybe that is teammate relay maybe he is deferring to some of these great players that he's had an opportunity like i if i played with evgeny malkin and i saw him open and i was kind of at a you know not a great angle an angle that i've certainly scored goals from in the past but 
I see Evgeny Malkin kind of in the middle, and you you know what he can do with the puck if given just a sliver of time and space. I, I may start to pull up and pass more often than I did, and I think there's evidence to support your theory on that because Ryan Stimson's passing uh, project data, Phil is above 75% the 75th percentile in transition play, entries and entry assists, build-up plays, uh, dangerous shot contributions. He's actually almost at the 100th percentile for that. Influence on Jesus. total shot contribution, total passing, primary shot assist. And he's still about the 80 to 85th percentile in shot volume. He's contributing on the passing front at a very high rate, so that should not be dismissed either. Uh, but keep in mind, I love... Kessel on this team is more so in the 2015-16 season because they they split Sid, Gino, yeah. and um, Kessel. And uh, don't tell me about Hart had a good presentation at the RIT analytics uh, conference last year about splitting your high-end talent and how it could actually raise other people rather than playing them together. And I thought that was a, a Pittsburgh has the the best setup to do that. Uh, you just need to have enough, just enough forward talent to to make that work with Kessel these days. Because Sid and Gino, they're still in that wheelhouse where you can pretty much. I mean, Gino had Scott Wilson on his left wing for a majority of the playoffs. Yeah, you, and you and, just and I and I think anyway. Gino should have won the Count Smythe. So there's that. It's um, it's it's one of those things where um. A prime example of everything you just said was Game 5, Stanley Cup Finals, the pass Kessel makes to Gino to go up 3-0 just before the end of the first period. I'd say on a different team, probably Toronto, he shoots that puck instead of pulling up and passing. I reckon he tries to beat the defender to the outside and tries to put in a sneaky wrist shot short side. Instead, he pulls up, waits a half a second, gives it to Gino. Let's off the one-timer bomb, and they go up three, zip. I've seen Kessel do that a hell of a lot more over the 16-17 season than he did over 15-16. So <clears throat> Pittsburgh's ability to find a third-line centre that can work with Kessel, even if it just means that Kessel shoots the puck more often because the centreman's a distributor rather than a finisher, will, like you said, just extend that, that skill depth that Pittsburgh have had an advantage with over the last... Well, you know, 15, 16, and a little bit less so in, in 16, 17. So as much as the, the third-line centre still hasn't been sorted for Pittsburgh, I think it's actually a, a quite an important trade for them to actually get right. And, the, and they're being patient with it. And Which I, is good. And I applaud yeah. them. Uh, I, I think Rutherford has, has some B or C list options that he could start the season with that – he could roll with right now if he wanted to pull the trigger on it. Now, I don't know if Tyler Bozak's part of that B, B list plan or not. That That's one of the players I've discussed, uh, especially because of the Phil Kessel part of it. Yeah, yeah. And the fact he's a UFA, the fact Toronto, you know, can use long-term injured reserve and be fine with the cap right now. But I, I could see them wanting to maybe shed the 4.1%. I think it's four point. It's in that ballpark that Bozak does make uh, to do something like that. And Rutherford's made multiple trades with Toronto the past few years. <laughs> Obviously, Kessel afraid. being the big one, but Eric yeah. Fair. Um, and uh, that trade happened last year too. So I think the one thing you got to look at with the Phil Kessel stuff is he probably won't ever get traded because. We're heading into the 2017-18 season, and I think he'll be fine there. No reason to trade. I think he'll be fine next year, too. No reason to trade. You're really only looking at maybe a bad third year in this because guess what's around the corner? Lockout! So if push came to shove and he did fall off that cliff, that would probably only maybe, and let me stress the maybe part, maybe that third year, and then they just compliance buy him out. That's just so sad that you can just sit there and look at that and go, yeah, it'll happen. So, I mean, unless the team's going to bowl Pittsburgh over with this, I um, I don't see a reason to, you know, entertain no, no. this idea, nor should they. And, you know, you hear Mike Sullivan 
doesn't like how Phil plays, well, you know, you don't have to love every little thing he does, but his overall generation, more. does this player produce more than they take away from the team? And with Phil, it's it, the answer's pretty obvious there. So if Mike Sullivan can't get over that, that seems more like a Mike Sullivan problem than a Phil Kessel problem. Does indeed. The thing that has frustrated, frustrated me about the article is the amount of traffic that thing created instead of it just being ignored. And also we're well, talking about it right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're it, playing yeah. into this, self-admitted. But I, I think it's a great discussion because there are some cons to the long-term uh, player like Phil the, the, with the age regression stuff. I do not see any cons because an assistant coach left. And no offense to Rick Tockett, but Phil's an adult. <laughs> he can deal. Well, you'd think so. Unless they take him off the first power play. Where's the issue here? He He's going to get his even strength ice time. And I can't see a reason for taking him off the power play anyway. It should be Gensel in and Hornquist out. But that's a conversation that's, for another then day. Then that's a different thing. Yeah, exactly. So I just um, I think there's room to have this discussion. Hopefully we've hit on a few of the, the things that maybe some of these lowbrow articles haven't. And, you know, I, 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 I just hate how a lot of this is presented sometimes where where it's black and white yeah where if you say because i got some pushback on you know i titled it real talk about phil kessel and i said trading him shouldn't be dismissed automatically should be for this year but People don't want to hear the trade thing with him because he's, you know, he's a called hero. He's been great for them. He's uh, been a perfect fit in a perfect trade. And everything's been perfect so far. He's two for two with Stanley Cups. He he should have won the Conn Smythe last year, in my opinion. He was great, pretty much a point-per-game player this year in the playoffs. How can you complain? That's that's the other thing. It's like, what, what more do you want out of Kessel? Playoffs, he's basically a point per player player point-per-game player when he's come to the team. I mean, there aren't many other players that are producing at that level the last two years. And, and he scored the most goals in the playoffs over the last two-year period since he's been a Penguin. So I'm like, all right, cool. He's producing at this level. What else are these people that are saying, get rid of him, are asking of him? Or do they – and they, this is the thing. They haven't actually got there and said, well, we think his output's going to fall off a cliff – because, you know, of this, this, and this. They've just said, well, the Kessel Whisperer is gone, so he's toast. And I just I just can't deal with that kind of analysis of um, of why to get rid of a player that, that's been brilliant for the Penguins in the playoffs. It's such a dopey take. <laughs> it's such a dopey take. Ridiculous. So, All right, moving on to something else. What do you want to move <laughs> on to? We, got a, I think uh, we wrote down a few We things. actually have a list. Um, before we go much further, Brian Campbell retired. I'd just like to say he was good fun to watch because we're not really going to discuss it. Um, but well, uh, I, think I, he... I got to watch a lot of him as a Rochester Hammer. Yeah. Well, no, he was, he was in Rochester for a, a, a decent enough time where I would watch him play for 10 bucks, and he he was great to watch in the AHL. It was uh, it was a, a lot of fun. And, and Buffalo didn't play him enough. When he was younger, like, oh, well, you got to worry about your defense. Like, I wish the advanced stats were around back uh, for his then, upbringing yeah. because his transitional play was probably <laughs> off the charts when he was in his 21-year-old year uh, and that kind of stuff. But wonderful player. He took a lot of heat for his big, at the time, $7 million contract, but I actually think he lived up to it. Yeah, the thing I, I find with Campbell is he, the, you know, the with and without is with on, you know, him on the ice, the players around him were better. Him off the ice, they're a little bit worse. So and, I think, and for, quite frankly, uh, that's uh, a big conversation with Aaron Eckblad right now. Well, yeah, it is. So it's it's one of those things where you 
you look at Sui and you just go, he should be very happy with the way his career went. I think the situation in Chicago helped him make up his mind, though. Yeah, I think I know a lot of people on Twitter when I've been doing some of the offseason stuff have brought up Campbell's name. And uh, I don't know if I've done a good job of communicating that. I think it was pretty clear he was Chicago or nothing. Yeah. Even though I think he, he would have been a great one-year fit with Pittsburgh any of these years, anytime. But uh, I think... Well, he, was... he gets to front office now. So it's, you know, in Chicago, it was obviously, I think, a part of the decision-making process to go back there for that one-year deal. Correct. But, you know... I don't think he was ever an option for anybody other than Chicago this offseason, even though he Correct. could help a lot of uh, teams, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Right in the money there. So, kudos to Mr. Campbell. Job well done. It was. What do you got next? Um, well, do we want to go through some of these signings? Do you want to start with uh, the Hurricanes? Which one do you want to do first, Slavin or the Sale? <laughs> um, let's t- start with Slavin. I think he's grossly underrated. I think some might scoff at that um, five million dollar mark, but I think it's actually pretty decent for the long term. He's a very good player. Yep, he is. The two things: it's like the name Slavin doesn't come up much when you hear, you know, national coverage on. Carolina, it's always sort of the, the usual suspects. It's how bad is Cam Ward, Jordan Stall underperforms, and um, we got to oh, talk about the Hurricanes. <laughs> this is the third. There's that is, there, yeah. There's there's why aren't they in Hartford? It's it's those sorts of things <laughs> that come up first. But him and him and Justin Fork are, are, are two you know high quality defensemen, and um, it's good to see Slavin get rewarded for the, the output that he provides for that team. It does show you that the Hurricanes are definitely looking at the game a little bit differently than they have previously. And you still have Noah Hannafin and mm-hmm. is it Hayden Flurry? He was a high pick. Yes, I'm not sure. So. I can't pretend to know how he is in his development, but at least Hannafin has an NHL sample to work from. That helps. So he's up there. So, uh, Noah Hannafin, how is he doing? His first assists are a 9 out of 10, his shot generation a 5, but his shot suppression is a 3, his goal is 4, his ice time 4. Well, his ice time is only 4, so that's not a huge sample. But the thing the thing with that is it looks as though they're actually going to allow him to play out of that defensive impact. And he's got to be I think... super young still. He is. I think he'd be 20, 20 or something. 20. Like. Okay, so yeah. he's he's doing – there's Pretty reason good. to believe he's going to improve upon that. Maybe maybe the first primary assist dropped from a 9 out of 10 a little bit because that's a really tough uh, percentile to stay in. But the <laughs> other stuff should should also bounce back and it'll pick everything else up. But, but it's that's letting a young player play through it in the level he needs to learn how to play it. So – um, good work from Bill Peters to, to allow some of these players to develop. And I like um, I like kind of how they operate. They're not a huge budget team. They're trying to improve around the margins by uh, – I they just promoted Eric Tolsky, I believe, to a director of uh, analytics or some – you know, a legitimate position. Well, yeah. And Ron Francis seems pretty pretty good with all of it. And, you know, it'll be interesting to track a team like that. I wish they had a huge budget to work with to also maximize the, their ability on that front. So well, you combine the that analytics stuff. That change. See, analytics can be wrong, obviously. I think that's obvious to most people. It doesn't bat a thousand. I, I do think it, you avoid um, huge, There's... terrible purchases like the, the micah's the thing just pay me a million bucks i'll tell you no five times a year it'll probably be worth it <laughs> yep no i i thoroughly agree with that the idea is to avoid the egregious contracts whether it's signing someone at all or, or whether it's signing them long term for too much money that's that's probably the big thing and i don't see any of those contracts he didn't do the stall contract ron francis that is no 
Justin Williams is a two-year. I know it's four point five mil. I think that's fine. Their longest contract is stall. Victor Rask at four million. Yeah, maybe not terrific, but not. I mean, they not had crippling. Slavin's not going to be crippling. Dar- no. I guess Darling is in it because that's of goalie. But that's what I was going to bring I up. That's the only one. I think he's got that it's Thomas Grice sample yeah. where. Yeah, he wasn't playing 50 times a year, but like the 30 games he did get, he looked damn good. And, and quite frankly, you know, I've always said that, that Pittsburgh should have transitioned from Flurry to Grice. Maybe people still roll their eyes at that, but for value, uh, Grice has been pretty good. I and, mean, the bonus here is that he's only going to be there till he's 32, right? So theoretically, he jumps out before he hits that goalie aging curve that hits them really hard i remember nick saying that 32 33 usually hits a goalie's body pretty hard for all the obvious reasons but they're they're set up pretty well in regards to what they've got contract wise i mean hopefully the the deal goes through for them to get sold and the the new owner that comes in happy to spend and, and gives them that flexibility that you are hoping for yeah and I want to say, what was I going to say about Darling? Oh, um, he actually has worked with Mike Bales before. Oh, I forgot Bales is there now. Yeah. So they have a working relationship uh, with with the current goalie coach, which never a bad thing. Mike Bales, um, it's tough to know how much of an impact a goalie coach has, uh, but it's tough to argue with Pittsburgh's goaltending results the last couple of years. No, that's very true. So so the purchase, the, the sale, the one thing I hope it does not do is I hope that it doesn't come in and try to change a lot of things other than giving them more more of a budget. Yeah, well... Because if know. you come in and you're like, uh, and the guy's super hands-on and doesn't want to make this move because of this or that, um, I, I, would, I would hope that they would, the new owner... Forgive me, I've been off the the grid. I don't even know the person's name. Wouldn't try to upheaval what Francis and uh, his supporting cast have been trying to do the last few years. Surely they can see enough that you can see that it's heading in the correct direction, but you just never know, do you? Because <laughs> let's be honest, Rutherford left that team in, in a mess. In a mess, pretty much, and and they're slowly <laughs> building out of it, and uh, I think responsibly building out of it. Uh, for those wishing for relocation, uh, probably not going to happen with Carolina. And they were probably a, a candidate for that. I, I don't wish relocation on communities, especially uh, some of these expansion communities, because I think growing hockey, which is classically a socioeconomics, really damn the sport from growing. And I think yeah. the more people that are exposed to it, even if not everybody can play it, is better for the overall game. Not just NHL, but just in general. So I don't root for teams to move, but also it is a business, and sometimes you, it is what it is. And I think Carolina was hovering in that. Uh, maybe they are the next Nordiques kind of deal. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Uh, but not the case anymore, from what I quickly saw that relocation yeah. is not going to be part of it not a jim ball silly type of situation here so it just feels like to me like the coyotes would be the next likely but even that seems less and less likely now you know I, that's the world's funnest roller coaster <laughs> relocation talks with arizona <laughs> boy if they had extremes uh, with the discussions out there i think we all agree glendale's got to go yeah, they've if got they to get back, back into, into Phoenix, I think it could work yep. quite well. Yep, then they'll just have to change their name back to the Phoenix Party. Eh, not necessarily, but you know. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it, I liken the Phoenix situation to uh, the one in western New York, where Buffalo is obviously the bigger city from Rochester, but when the Bills play, like about 30% of that stadium's Rochester, and they always talk about putting the, the new stadium there's been talk there's a town called batavia that's kind of not quite halfway it's a little bit closer to buffalo 
but it would be a pain in the ass for Buffalo people and Rochester people still to, to travel the 40 minutes to get there. Yeah, that doesn't work. And it would work a little bit better for football because it's a once-a-week thing. But if you put the Sabres arena in Batavia between the Rochester and but it would, it would be a shitty situation. And that's kind of what I feel about with Glendale. Yeah, they need to get that arena a bit sorted. They get that sorted, and I think things will stabilize there. I mean, look where Austin Matthews came from. He's not a hockey player if not for the Coyotes, and that's an Correct. extreme example, but there's got to be other kids that are – and Arizona State has a Division One team now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, The sport grows. It just grows at a slower rate than most of us fans would like. <laughs> but I do love the idea of Quebec City and Seattle. But how do you accomplish it? I think you add one more team via expansion to make it 32. I know before the podcast you mentioned, well, the Central only needs one more team to, to even the divisions out. It does. But I'm, it's like, I'm not how as do you realign about, the divisions? I'm not as worried about talent being diluted as some. I think USA Hockey is pumping out high-skilled players these days. I think Canada's obviously still doing that. I think there's plenty of talent to go around as long as organizations are willing to live with defensive faux pas, perceived defensive wow. faux pas, and, and focus yeah. on generation. I think you can still find productive players that have been suppressed over the years. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think it will eventually be a 32-team league. Whether you like it or not, I, I, it's one of those things where it. I think there'll be a team in Seattle. I don't think there's. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Just for me, the question is timing, and then it's just a matter of going. Where do you shuffle everyone around to to make it work, conference wise? Put Detroit back in the West. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I reckon you just get rid of the divisional thing. And just have it. Yeah, sixteen well, teams in each in each conference, and we've I, discussed I, this I like that. I like that a lot. I'd almost get rid of the whole thing, but I would be willing to do that intermediate step to conferences and eliminating divisions before we eliminated conferences. Yep. And then have our TV event. Yep. So, you know, that I think that's pretty big news. When the Carolina Hurricanes are going for five hundred million. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? The actual total is is substantial for that franchise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like that kind of sets the bar for other franchises quite high. I remember the Penguins weren't happy with the price they looked like they were going to get when they were looking at selling. Do you recall what that was? I kind of glossed over oh. a lot of that. Wasn't it like oh. seven hundred? I think they wanted. 800 and I think it was about 650 and that's why I think they bailed on the idea. Can't blame them. Well, no, that's a substantial... Especially substantial in hindsight gap. with a double championship, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's some thoughts on the Hurricanes uh, kind of situation. What is... Uh, what's up next? Um, the Lightning... Yeah, they've been locking some of their players up. Which they needed to do. Tyler Johnson's going to be making a good amount of money, $5 million for the next seven years. He was underpaid before. Probably going to be properly paid for a majority of at least the next three or four years of that. <laughs> Which, you know, the lockout, if things go really south, it's, it's protected. You know there's going to be compliance buyouts. They've done such a good job here because they got Stamkos under mark because he's under 10, right? 8.5. Um, yeah, so he's, he's under market. Palat is a little bit more than Johnson, but it's a shorter contract. Kucherov was a bridge deal. They're probably going to have oh, to... Oh, God. It, it, I, I forget. Was it... Who was it? Was it the PDO cast with Dimitri and I think Nick Mercadant? I was listening to a recent episode on my um, drive down to Baltimore and I think they had a topic of most undervalued contracts, and 
think oh, I try to name. find best value off contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember I mean, that as well. Uh, John Tavares is my obvious one, but the Kucherov at under five mil for two years yeah. in, in his prime. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, just the timing of that's sort of probably going to work out okay because there's a whole heap of players that are off the books at the end of when Kucherov's comes up. So they'll be able to work out what they're going to do, and I, that'll be the lockout year anyway. So. Um, It'll all go from there. But they, they seem to have set themselves up quite nicely. It, like Kunitz is over there now, so that's a great pickup for them as well. Yeah, um, and you know what? I love that because I don't think he's done being a functional NHL player, and especially so at $2 million. Yeah, he's gonna, exactly. He's going to contribute to possession. I know the offensive numbers aren't where they were, and that would be a tough standard for any player to uphold, let alone when you're 38. Right? He's 38? Oh, I think so. You and him? He's old. I don't know that. <laughs> he's 37. So, yeah. I mean, he's... You know, Jesus Christ, he's younger than me. Ah, thought he was older than me. Um, yeah, so he's he's 37 going 38. So, he's not the youngest guy floating around. But his contributions... Um, Tempo Free Hockey does a lot of the nice uh, track manual tracking data and... Kunitz always shows favorably there. He's the a guy bonus, bonus. that you should play in a bottom six role. You could use him to kill penalties now because for the first time in like a decade, he did it last year. And, oh, wow, he was fine at it because he's good at even strength. So he could find his way in a power play in a pinch. He could find his way in a top six role and not totally derail the whole thing in a pinch. Yeah, you don't want him as your top six winger full time, but he's he can still look the part in small samples. Hey, you just get him playing hot. I mean, you did the see the Ottawa Senators game seven, and then it, that leaked into the first few games of the Stanley Cup final. He had like seven yeah, points he, in five games or something like that. He he will have he will have patches where you know puck luck rolls his way and he scores like he used to, whether it's assists or, or goals. But it doesn't last the twenty or thirty game patches he used to have in his career. But you, you want to have a guy like that that can go up and down the line because Tampa have been injured the last couple of years. So you need to have players that can jump up for a couple of games, supply you with some quality possession to allow the players that they're playing with to still be able to be good. You don't need possession holes to jump on a wing with, you know, Johnson or Stamkos, depending on whether they play Stamkos or the winger or center or whatever they want to do with him. The interesting thing with Tyler Johnson is, was it the 2014-15 season where he was just absurd with the twin, or the triplets? Yeah, that was the triplets. It's before everyone got hurt. He, um, I'm just going to quickly look it up. Yeah, he was 3.0 points per 60 at even strength that year with Palat and Kucherov coming at 291 and 261. That's absurd production. That's not the standard I'm going to hold him accountable for. Well, you can't. Um, last year, he was at 1.74. Um, you'd probably like to see it a bit higher at 5 mil, but still not terrible. Okay, is 2 first line level or is 2 superstar level? I can never remember. I think 2 is top line, which top line, is right. the, so... the bordering superstar level there. But right, my so... my issue with him would be um, his relative possession numbers were negative three point one percent last year. He's he's got to drive play a little bit better, but he had injury issues. I think that that would be my concern with signing him. Is is just keeping him healthy? It's it's the risk the Penguins took with with Latang. It's the it's the risk that certain players take with with injury prone players. You you pay them and you go please stay in one piece yeah i don't know if that he's the kind of guy you needed to give seven years to and that's the risk it, 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 you run into that kind of a problem but what do you do you you pay him more over a shorter period of time and have him and palat bail out at the same time and then you have to pick one or the other well here's the deal with tyler johnson He's a 4 out of 10 in shot generation, a 3 out of 10 in shot suppression, but he's a 7 in goals and an 8 in first primary assist. He's almost like Phil in a way. 
Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. <laughs> if the offense is there, great. It's going to make up for that. If it's not, uh, well, and it begs the question, what if Stamkos becomes a winger and he has to be the first-line center? I think for now Stamkos is obviously going to be a center, but how he's been bumped to the wing before. Yeah, and it's driven him nuts, so it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. And do you re- means- reunite the triplets, and then what is Stamkos left with? Well, that's what they've got to try and work out, isn't it? Because with Drew and gone... That's that's the thing that for the they, they Tampa, kind of, the out of I don't get. They're not quite the Penguins with the help on the side. No, not yet. And the other thing I that's staring me right in the face is they're paying eight point eight million for Callahan and Girardi. Yeah, yeah. So it's the New York Rangers connection doing them lots of favors. I just the comments from Iserman that Girardi, I could see him playing top four minutes. I can see him just totally dragging Hedman down like McDonough if that's what they go with that's what they'll do because either you're doing Strawman Hedman in like a super powerhouse top pairing which you know there are are arguments for that that. yeah or you're splitting Strawman and Hedman because it makes sense to split two really good guys on a pair but then who's playing right side with Hedman and you're like oh shit (laughs) but they're not going to say oh shit and I can't pretend to know what side Sergachev plays, the big part of the Drew the trade. itself, yeah. If he's a right side player, it'd be interesting to see him play with Hedman if he's NHL ready this year. Well, I just, but that's a lot know, of minutes. That's a lot of minutes. Well, that's a good point, actually, because Hedman's out there half a game. I don't, I don't understand the two-year thing. I don't I, understand get... none of it. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. You get there and go, all right, cool. So Tampa were like, damn, we want you to come in and play a particular role that our internal bullshit numbers think that you can actually provide for us, right? We'll give you three mil for one year. And Girardi comes back and says, Why are you no. giving him 800K? You're Tampa well, Bay. You couldn't talk to Cody Franzen? Yeah, I know. Like, but realistically, you've given him $6 million to basically be an anchor on whoever he plays with. It's going to be a fascinating study to see how... just got out on a team that had needed yeah. defense help. I mean, they got it in Shattenkirk, don't get me wrong. That was part of the buyout, but... Because it's going to be fascinating to see how McDonough goes now, if they do power up with Shattenkirk. Oh, that'll be and, nice. Yeah, and how... And to I see can tell what you how it'll go. To... It'll look great. No, the other one as well, though. It'll be great to see. It'll be just an interesting case study to see whoever ends up with Girardi, what happens to their numbers this year compared to what happened to them last year. And, and, you know, Eisenman gets applauded for for being quite a good GM, but every GM has screw-ups. It's it's impossible not to. Yep. It's just how big of a screw-up is it going to be that affects your team in a negative way. Two years of Girardi at three mil... I don't understand why if Girardi said, I'm not going to sign it unless I get a second year. Why give him the fucking second year? That's the bit that I don't get. It's the worst signing of the offseason. Which is amazing. There are less and less of these terrible signings. Mm, They still flip around. And I bet you it comes from, oh, we think he's good defensively and we need help, rather than looking at the... He bleeds shots. I know. General managers and coaches look at the black rather than the white. They always look at the bad, not the good. And it would be great if they tried to emphasize the positivity of players rather than the negativity of them. And instead of trying to correct, like, instead of negatively marking a play down for the negatives, get there and go, right, these are all these positives. I reckon these positives will be able to outweigh the negatives. And if we work on the negatives, the play will be even better again later on. It Hockey is such a defensive sport. It, it frustrates me because when the good players go and they get to go. It's a beautiful sport to watch. Yes. Um, so Palat, I don't want to ignore him. He's oh, no, really good, good too. Uh, I took the last three years average of Tampa Bay players, so 2014 to 17, and just looked at the points per 60 at even strength. Kucherov leads at 2.24, which is great. 
Palat is at 2.23. Tyler Johnson, 2.11. Those are the top three. So if the triplets can stay healthy... Now, mind you, that that insane year by the triplets is factored into this, so it's dragging it up a bit. Yeah. But Palat's still a very functional player. Last year, in a quote-unquote down year, he was at 1.85, where the year before he was 1.95. So he's he's legitimately putting up good offense every year. Yeah. Yep. And for they five mil, take... that's fair value. They just need them to stay healthy. If they can keep them on the ice, they go deep again. Even with even with a couple of interesting decisions on the back end, they can still go deep again. And Palat's 26. So he'll be 26, 27, 28, 29. Oh, up to 30. Wow, great contract. Yep. Kudrow's going to cost them a shitload <laughs> yep. after the next two years. but uh, And he's still in RFA. Unreal. I can't believe they bridged him like that. They should have just paid. Well, I can understand short term. They had some bad, they had some money issues to deal with. But they're they, trying to get around. They're trying to get around the Callahan signing. Yeah, that's the that's the one they shouldn't have done. That's that's the Brooks Orpic signing for them. Yep. I, I think they I think they have a, a probably the best chance to knock Pittsburgh off in the East next year. Yeah, now yeah, that I Washington mean, look, has stumbled back. I know that we, you know, gave him a bit for the COVID, uh, for the COVID, for the Girardi signing, but um, that roster looks great. And I mean, they've gone cheap yep. in the goaltending situation, so it's allowed them to, to re-sign some of these guys and have cap space to for flexibility later in the year. And their path to the playoffs in the Atlantic. Barring an insane jump with Toronto, who I haven't been overly impressed with their offseason. No, it's been... It's, you know, if you look at Toronto the last year, some of the moves, you know, for hiring all the, the extra skater and, like, all the, all the Cam Sharon and all these people, you know, Lou's running that shit right now. Yep, and, you, and, and you there's been a big focus. Yep, big change. The Marlowe signing is... I think it's a bad signing. There's no need to go three years. I don't think he's going to give you six million this year, let alone the next two. Yeah, that's true. Why not sign UC Jokinen to play left wing? Are you really going to get less? I know you're going to pay five mil less. Well, that's the other argument, isn't it? It's it's like where you, where you're putting your resources into in regards to the the relevant output for the. The six mil. Because they, for being a, a team that's relying on a lot of ELC guys who still have very good deals, they're out of cap space. Now, some of it, you know, Horton and Lupel is almost, well, it is. It's $10.5 million. You know, you get rid of that off of LTIR, but LTIR is not super magic. There's still consequences to that with the cap space and how it um, – accumulates throughout the year depending on when you actually execute it and it's not ideal to do it at the very beginning i don't think oh i never i never know how that i know thing works. Um, but that was a, a bottle <laughs> thing that and and mike colligan has spoken about that in the past uh smarter minds than i that that know all of that stuff so marlo six mil man that's that's such a huge you, now you don't really have trade deadline wiggle room. Yeah, but you don't have, like, his last year on that deal. Is 2019-20 going to be the lockout year? Or is it 2021? I think after the 19-20 season. Right. So they're still going to have to sign players in. So they're going to have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marler that they're going to have to sign to their new contracts, right? I know they're RFAs, but they'd be stupid not to... You know, instead of don't just don't give them a bridge deal. Basically, the year before that, they've got Nylander, right? I don't, I don't understand why you're going to have six point two five mil wrapped up in a player that has shown even strength regression worse than we talked about Phil earlier. Yeah, you're talking about similar dollar amounts. Well, actually, Leafs are paying some of it. Remember, (laughs) paying part of Phil's salary right now. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it's not a contract I like very much. Yeah, I wasn't particularly negative of it. I think when we discussed it last time, um, but the more and more I look at it, the the harder and harder that deal. Like they are in a window where if things fall right for them, they can have a red hot crack at it. But you still have to have the right pieces around the edges to help make the to help make the youth, you know, get the most out of what they are. So I don't know. Like I, I would Ron Hainsey signing as well baffles me a little bit because they're going to be playing him in that elevated role and it's Pittsburgh winning it he was in a quote unquote top pairing but I think they won in spite of that not he wasn't fueling it no and the numbers would support that so uh think about the Leafs offering. Colton Pierco, who I had on this list, a $7 million a year contract for five years or whatever, when he's asking for 4.8 in arbitration. A player initiated arbitration, might I add. He's that angry to where he initiated it. So the team has to either accept it or he's gone. Really? That's how player initiated works. Oh, jeez, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Which, which they're going to accept no matter what. But they well, they wanted to pay him 3.4. Like, get the fuck out of here. Come on. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't Mar- the Leafs just not do the 6.2 to Marlowe and be like, hey, come play in Toronto. We got a really young, upcoming team. You can be a huge part of this. Here's 7 mil. And you can probably have a little more fun playing than um, playing under the system you currently are. I know that Mike Yeo's coaching that team, but it's it's still a defensive-minded system. So then you got a top four, Riley, Gardner, Payerko. Payerko would be the number one. And, and Zaitsev, uh, you know. Everybody slots, everybody slots down a little bit better. That's the, that's the advantage of having someone like Payerko, is everybody sort of slots where they should be. Payerko was playing. the biggest whiff of an offer sheet this year, I think. Yeah, but nobody uses them. We've discussed it. It's retarded. But... I think that Kuznetsov would be um, another one out there that you could argue for that. But I think Payerko would sign your sheet. You could still stay in that, I think, first and third round compensation area. Which, whatever. The Leafs aren't going to be in a lottery anymore. No, so you're not giving up. You're not giving up a Tyler Sagan or something like that. So, I don't know. I think um, that's it on my list. Uh, I don't think there's there's anything else. We work. What about Tatar? We'll talk. We'll save save him for next week. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Well, yeah, because those decisions will be made by then. There's a few other arbitrations that are coming up as well. So and we'll talk Connor Sheary and Brian Dumoulin. That's a big one. But um, we'll wait for that to play. Their their cases aren't for another week or so, twelve days or whatever. So I that's think a, we can hold do off you think... on that. Do you think the, like you said, they're in no rush to go for that third line center, but do you think they are literally just waiting to see what cap space they do end up with before they commit to anything? Uh, no, I think Rutherford's already said it's going to be around uh, eight, I thought he said. Maybe. For the two of them. Or, yeah. I can't remember. He, he has a number that he's publicly stated, and I don't think it's absurd. I think people are going to be surprised that the, the money goes more so to Sheary than Dumoulin. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he deserves it. But yes, you're right. The public are going to get there and go, really? He just rides on Sid's coattails. That'll be the, the argument made. Okay, so uh, in my mailbag today, somebody asked me a similar thing, and I just published it and wrote it. Okay, that's valid. Sid is the best quality teammate you could possibly ask for, barring probably Connor McDavid right now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's valid. Yes, he's elevated because of Sidney Crosby. Total fact. Indisputable. However, he led the NHL in even strength points per 60. If you play with Sidney Crosby, what do you want that winger to do? Produce. (laughs) How could you do any better than leading the league in even strength points per 60? playing with Sidney Crosby like isn't that like exactly the thing that you want yeah no he did can he possibly do better do it on his own that's the only uh, I mean but but when you put a player with Sid yeah 
What yep. do you want to happen? Well, look at it. Look in regards to the amount of flack that Dupuis copped for not being able to produce playing. But he did. Yeah, I know. But do you get what I'm saying, though? Like that's it's one of those things where if you're playing with Sid, you've got to be as good as Sid, and it's just it's just the way it works. It's retarded how people think like that. Three point oh one points per sixty. Say what you will about playing with Sid, that is still 3.01 points per 60. And I don't know what other realistic expectations you could have of an undrafted second-year NHL player. Yeah, second-year, people. Second-year. I mean, he's older because of the college thing, and he's already in his age prime. Connor McDavid's at 2.89. Like that's He's the gold because he's driving that number. Malkin's yes, at 2.82. Crosby, 2.68. I I mean, yeah, you don't want to give him five years, $25 million because one year he did it with Sid. I get, I get the apprehension with Pittsburgh, and I don't blame them for taking him to arbitration. It's a, he's one of those contracts you can't fuck up. So the other thing with that is that in that $8 million, obviously we're discussing that Sherry will get the largest split of that eight. I don't know if the it was issue, eight. It might have been seven. I can't. You know what I'm. He said he would have. About. He said he would have seven million left, or I'm sorry, two million left over for uh, um, a third line center. Third line something. center, and they have ten point three million in caps. Okay, so maybe it is eight mil. He's looking because I, the, I think that's the extreme, though. Both getting like four. Yeah, because the exact opposite with Dumoulin is that his quality of teammate is awesome and he still can't produce. Offense. Yes, exactly. And that's a big part of these arbitration hearings. Exactly. So that should, um, you know, deflate his number a little bit in regards to what he gets paid. Um, you know, he got to play with Latang for, you know, one and a half seasons and, you know, did get he got stuck with Hainsey, didn't he? Um but that wasn't why he wasn't scoring. I mean, he wasn't really producing any offense anyway. So it, it, there'll be interesting, interesting results either way you look at it. So, well, I think that's the episode. I think you're right. All righty. Hockeyhurts.com is the website. Uh, the podcast is hosted by Blog Talk Radio now. Yes? Correct. You can find it there as well. You can uh, like our Facebook page. Just type in Hockey Hurts, and you can uh, find it on Facebook. I'll start posting more of my blog stuff. We'll post the um, podcast there as well. Give us a rating on iTunes. Now that we are back, uh, I th- that problem has been resolved. As far as I know, it has been, and so has the Player FM problem. If anybody is having issues listening to it the way they would like, just uh, message me on uh, Twitter, and I will go and chase that up. Or Facebook. Oh, yes, anywhere. Yeah, we're available uh, at Gunnerstall, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hertz on, on Twitter. You can, so, yeah, our transition was a little rockier than we had planned, but I, I think we're good now, so. Yeah, so thank you for your patience. And HockeyBuzz.com for my Penguins articles. So. Yeah. I'm glad we got this in. I, I leave for my so, uh, next vacation tomorrow. Oh, Jesus, well done. <laughs> to Pittsburgh. There's a band there. Pretty good. Uh, do I think I know which one it is? Yeah, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, going to my annual fish summer concert. I usually like to hit multiple ones up, but so far, this is the only one on my schedule. I'm looking forward to it. Uh yeah, I'll have a good time. And I like that it's in Pittsburgh. I don't get there enough. Uh, I've never been to Pittsburgh in the summertime, so excited. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Yeah, don't say that. You'll be fine. Yeah, so. All right, cool. We'll see you next time. Gotcha. All right. I'm glad we got that in. So am I. I've been worried about my output. The last few days of doing nothing. Oh, really? People are creatures of habit.
No, no, that's... And when you're getting paid by the hit and download, you like them to keep their habits. Yeah, that's true, actually. Even if their habit is saying some of the most retarded things I've ever seen. Well, you know, whatever with that. (laughs) (laughs) God, that guy is so stupid. Yep. He's the stupidest stupid that ever stupided. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny ads. All right, well, I'm going to go. Okay. Just just link me when it's it's up and... Well, when you've sent it to me, and I'll um, I'll go about getting it up on all the platforms. It'll either be now before we leave, or it'll be tonight when I get home from dinner. One of the two. Yeah, I forget it's not midnight. Well, have fun with uh with the dinner. Yeah, no, it should be good. So, <laughs> all right, I'll uh, I'll message you, and we'll get that up. Brilliant. Catch you later, bud. All right, see you.